Wow. How about those games this weekend, huh? Oh, wait. There haven't been any games this weekend. You are locked on MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who has been a baseball podcaster for well over a decade. And here we are wrapping up our fifth full season here on the Locked On Podcast Network And thanks so much for making us your first listen. And for those of you who listen every single day, uh, send us a text or a tweet or whatever they're called these days and put a little hashtag Everyday Sully so I know who my everyday listeners are. Um, You can find us on Twitter or whatever whatever it's called now at LockedOnMLBPods. Uh, And same on Instagram which I think is still called Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram and make sure to download the game time app and create an account and use code locked on MLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest prices are guaranteed. Hey, um, I'm getting a little stir crazy with all this. No baseball BS that I got to deal with here. And so I'm giving you my listeners a bonus episode. This Sunday, that, that's right, I'm doing a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday episode, but I'm giving you a Sunday episode as well, because I just want to do one. I like doing these. If there's no games to talk about, I'm going to answer some of the listener comments I'm getting. I'm going to bring up a hero who took one of the great baseball events that happened in the history of baseball that happened on this day, October 15th back in 1988, and made that an event that stuck for all time because, well, frankly, this guy was the surprise unsung hero of the Great World Series of 1988. And no, it is not Tom Lasorda, Oral Hershiser, Kirk Gibson, or even Mike Davis, who was the one who walked before Gibson's home run. Bear with me. That's going to be in the third segment. Um, I just – I'm I, – just so angry with how they set up this playoff system and that it didn't take much imagination to realize that the possibility of giant layoffs were sitting right there. Uh, I told you my plan. First of all, I liked the one-game playoff. I did. I thought it did everything. I thought it gave the team with the, you know, the, the division winner or the team with the best record I thought it gave them a little bit of a respite, gave them a chance to line up their pitching staff, but it also allowed for them to not be rusty. And it put an emphasis on being one of the best teams of the year. Now, I think the way to really do it is to eliminate the divisions, the top two teams, get that by, get a couple of days off, The other four teams have to play a one-game playoff. It's not fair. I don't care. I want to see the best teams locking antlers in the league championship series. Nothing against 
uh, the Diamondbacks or the Phillies or even the Rangers and the Astros for that matter. But they're once again, you win 100 games over 162 games. Under, you win 100 over 162 games. I, I want to see the best teams lock antlers, okay? I'm going to be a little bit of a hypocrite when I talk about the, the final segment of that 88 World Series, but I digress. I I liked, I don't understand what the problem with the one-game playoff. If you want to introduce other teams, have it be uh, you know, eat a one, two one-game playoffs in the American League, two one-game playoffs in the National League. That's not fair. File that under tough. File that under, it doesn't matter. You better get your button gear and win that game. And I would rather have the team that had the unfair advantage be the ones with the worst record than it be an unfair record to the team that had the better record. Because what we're going to see is you're going to start seeing teams trying to not win 100 games, maybe not improving their team, maybe not wanting to get the best record, but to get the third or fourth record. And I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that nonsense. Now, uh, let's go to Bryce. There's a couple of things. Uh, I got a lot of um, uh, you know, comments and texts and everything that were sent to me uh, and replies on, on, on YouTube here or on, on Twitter. I'm, I'm going to call it Twitter. Um, but Bryce Patrick, friend of the show, friend of the podcast, and the host of the wonderful Locked on Rangers podcast has been for a while. And he used to be the co-host with Morgan Price. Now he, he flies solo. And he is flying high because his beloved Texas Rangers, who were a 90-win team, are going to be playing their divisional rivals also from Texas. And that game, I believe yeah, the, that game's going to start today. That The ALCS starts today on Sunday. And he has the great response to the people who think that Teams like the Dodgers and the Orioles um, and the Braves. And last year, the Dodgers and the Braves and the Mets and all these teams that had great records who fell apart in either the wild card round or the division series. He has this reply. I uh, wrote this on October 7th. If the higher seeds were really better, they should try simply winning. I got it. I understand. Okay. It's just I want to be able to see the best teams advance. And it's weird that the Astros are the only team to have figured it out. That's true. The I mean, the Yankees did last year, too, when they, they snuck past Cleveland. That was a very competitive series between Cleveland and New York. So the Yankees did and the Astros did. Every other top seed has said bye-bye. And I don't know. I, I like the one-game playoff. Because I want to get to it. I want to get to it. One game playoff on Monday. All the one game playoffs on Monday. Start the division series on Wednesday. And if you're the top team, you have Monday and Tuesday off. Boom. Division series starts on Wednesday. So send me something via uh, you know, all on the comments to tell me why I'm wrong on this. Uh, Big John, who is a, a YouTube listener. Big John 08865. Radical idea. Turn the wild card round into a tournament and have all the games at a predetermined neutral site, either an indoor stadium or one with a roof, hence no threat of a weather rainout. Begin it two days after the regular season, so allow all the teams to travel. Make it like March Madness. I said something to the degree of a tournament like that. Big John, why two days later? The day after the regular season. Boom. Sometimes there's weird travel that happens. Go. Let's go. 
Uh, I, I don't mind the idea of a tournament. I still like the one-game playoffs. Uh, have, if you had four one-game playoffs played in one dome, well, then they'll be there. If one goes extra innings, they'll be there. Till the, the, just just play it. Just play it in the team with a better record. One-game slam, go. Uh, Brett Lelko-IS7MT, I'm sure that means something, wrote, uh, Major League Baseball playoff thoughts. Does Major League Baseball want the best teams in the playoffs? Or the hottest teams? That's an interesting philosophical thought. I, for one, think of the best teams would improve the sport. So I say we make, we take out a lot of the off days, get rid of divisions. I'm with you, Brett. Then have the four best teams in each league make the playoffs. I would even have the first round playoffs be seven game series instead of five. I'm not sure. I like five game series. The recurrent reward system rewards the teams that get hot, not the best team. Well, you could make the argument that that's been the case for a while. It's just, You've had instances of hot teams beating teams that on paper are better. That's happened many, many times. But the, the thing that happens is if the more we expand the, the postseason, the more likely you have that weird hot team that sort of scampers through. Everyone saw you would have a dominant team like the 1954 Cleveland Indians. That's what they were called then. Uh, won 110, 100, whatever the final tally was. And they got, it was in the hundred tens. I don't remember exactly off the top of my head, so sue me. But they were swept in the World Series by Willie Mays and the New York Giants. The Giants were hot at that time. You know, you was, sometimes you had instances like the uh, New York Mets in 1973, barely above 500. But they got hot in the NLCS and beat the infinitely better Cincinnati Reds. And almost defeated the defending World Series champion A's. It went to Game Seven. In fact, if Yogi Berra uh, didn't start Tom Seaver in short rest, had him ready for Game Seven, the Mets probably would have won. But I, I think there's always going to be that sense of the hot team is going to have a very good chance of getting in. The difference is when you have so many teams. That hot team is inevitably going to come from a place like Arizona, Philadelphia, wherever. And the best team is inevitably going to have a chance where they have a bad three games. I think if you're expanding the playoffs, we have to shorten the regular season. I think if you're going to make it be a crapshoot, then have it be. I, I've been advocating for a 120-game season that ends on Labor Day. And you play the postseason in September. That's I've been saying I've and this is coming from someone you're not going to find someone who loves baseball more than me. But if you're going to make it a big wide open field for the postseason, then I think that makes sense. And you'd have you, you'd have a better chance of having the fewer injuries. And by the way, records will be preserved for a long time. So if you wind up winning the home run title championship while playing 120 game seasons, then you're going to be pretty good. Well, look at. Um, oh, by the way, someone said something nice because, uh, uh, um, you know, some people say mean things to me. Uh, Amos George, 8124, said, you're an everyday Sully, best baseball podcast by far, two years since I found you. Now I can't live without you. Well, thank you, Harry Nielsen, for that. Uh, and, oh, yeah, the trivia question of which infielder of the Philadelphia Phillies won the NLCS MVP it was an infield that had Mike Schmidt, it had Pete Rose, it had Larry Boa, but uh, uh, Virgilio Kuhn, I think I pronounced it right there, uh, got it right. It was Manny Trio. Manny Trio. Well, um, we're going to talk about one of those heavily favored teams 
that was that were bounced from the postseason in our next segment. But first, I need to do this. This episode of Locked On MLB is brought to you in part by Game Time. Now, look at I wanted to use Game Time to buy Dodger World Series tickets, but the Dodgers took care of that by not showing up. However, there are a lot of great sporting events still here in California. I'm going to try to see a Clippers game. I'm trying to go up to the Rose Bowl, see a UCLA football game, and pretty soon I'll be heading back up north to see family. When I'm there, I'm definitely going to catch a Sharks game. But you shouldn't have to be worried about when you're buying tickets for your next big event because game time is the fast and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, theater events near you with killer last-minute details, all-in prices, and views from your seat, and the best price guarantee, game time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Yeah, I'd love to be able to just sort of see where I'm going to be. I'm not going to buy a ticket and get surprised when I get there. Bad pole in front of me. Ah, not quite facing the right way. You get to check out the views. And it goes right to your phone. You know, you buy a ticket, like, where did that email go? Do I have to print it out? No. A couple of taps on your device, on your app. It's fantastic. Download the GameTime app. Create an account and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-M-L-B. For $20 off, download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, the lowest prices. Hey, it's guaranteed. I have held back in talking about the Orioles because I've some Oriole fans hate me uh, because I talked about the the trade deadline and they didn't improve their team. Um I, I'm just the messenger there. Uh, a couple of people said I was just being a, a vindictive Red Sox fan. I didn't even bring up the Red Sox, and the the um, the, the Red Sox are an absolute mess right now. Um, so I, I, I has nothing to do with that. I wanted to see the Orioles go far, and I, I don't see a reason why they didn't go for it this year because the stars were aligned. Um, I got a little back and forth with uh, Brandon Dillman, 5841, uh, who believes that the the financial and salary structures of baseball working are working against the Orioles. We had a back and forth. Especially after I reminded him, like, how many of the biggest budget teams just were flopperinos this year? Some had losing records. Some didn't make the playoffs. Neither New York team, San Diego. You know, the Dodgers spend more money than anything, and then all of a sudden they're all – they all flopped. You know, why Why is it – you can't make the argument, well, they just didn't have a big enough payroll. The big payrolls are going nowhere this year. And I also don't believe salary caps are the answer. I never have. You see a hell of a lot more parity in baseball than you do in the other sports. Half the teams in Major League Baseball have made the World Series since the year 2010. You can look it up. Every team has been in the postseason in the last decade and a half. I I just, I don't see how this, I don't see the correlation. And also, I also don't believe it. When I hear owners talking about, well, our revenue is this and our revenue is down that. 
sorry, all owners lost their credibility in that in the 80s when they colluded and they won't open up their books. And I also don't, see, you know, I know the Nationals encroached on the Orioles' territory. That's why the Orioles didn't want them there. However, you've seen teams coexist in the same general market, and the Nationals stink this year. And Baltimore has the deeper roots of their fan base. I don't buy that this is because they couldn't afford the players because right now a lot of the players they have are on the lower end of the pay scale. They haven't hit arbitration yet, so they already have a 100-caliber win team at a relatively bargain bin price. So I don't care how much the Nationals have cut into their revenue. They shouldn't be one of the five lowest-paid te- teams in baseball. Baltimore? This isn't Oakland, where it's a tiny part of what is not a gigantic market to begin. I mean, the Bay Area is, but it's not big enough for two teams. That's And it's a team, it's a fan base with deep roots. I'm sorry, I'm not buying that argument. There should be a salary floor before there's a salary cap. And to bring in someone, uh, to bring in a big acquisition right now, you're not blowing the salary structure out of the water. If you want to contend, then you have to be at least in the middle of the pack. Can we agree on that? Uh, but, you know, Brandon Dillman, 5841, you're a great fan, and I, I get where you're coming from. I'm just not I'm not 100% buying it. I'm sorry. If that makes me bad, that makes me bad. Um, uh, let's. Uh, I had a big back and forth with Don Pet, uh, Petrie, um, and he was uh, – I think he took offense at me rattling off when I had I, – I talked about the best – all the, 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 like the top – 10 or 15 prospects in the Orioles organization and saying that, well, let's, uh, all of those players who they hoarded come uh, this trade deadline, they all have to come up big when they win the World Series. Otherwise, there will be, you'll have to look back at this trade deadline and say, you know, you you blew it. Now, Don Petrie took some offense to that and said that, you know, that that was a low blow and that was, uh, I think he said, I'm better than that. First of all, I don't know if I am. But uh, he later said, uh, you misunderstood me. I specifically said when you read out the name of each Orioles prospect that they had to be on the next Orioles World Series roster or else. Yeah, I stand by that. That was overboard. No, it wasn't. I have no issues with what you said since last July. Um and the deadline closed. No. And later um, he did concede that he understand that the point I was making was that they all can't be on the roster and they all can't be contributors. There aren't enough roster spots for them all to be contributors. And that was my point. My point is you had more prospects than they have spots on the team, which means you have to sometimes sell from your from your your backlog of of talent in order to get talent to come to the team right now. Now, their top prospect is, uh, if I'm not mistaken, is Jackson Holiday. He is their up-and-coming, you know, great new franchise player. And there's only one player on the planet that I would have traded Jackson Holiday for, and that was Shohei Otani, even if it was for a rental. 
because Otani could have been the difference between winning a pennant or not winning a pennant. And Jackson Holiday is a pittance for that. That is the little pennies they have at the cash the, next to the cash register that you throw in. But nobody else I would trade for that. That I understand. But, you know, if you take a look at, if, if it would have cost them Colton Kowser, if it would have cost them uh, Jordan Westberg, again, go trade them away to get the improvement for a, that they need to win the pennant right now. My question is this, they, they, you couldn't, you you could even package together a bunch of those other prospects and made a package, something, instead of nothing. And what I predicted happened. They didn't have the pitching to go forward. Their pitching was grotesque in the, in the three-game playoff against Texas. And they killed them. So, and then you still have all the prospects. They better all come through. And the main reason I say that is every once in a while, everything aligns. The team is a contender right now without it being a huge payroll. And since the Orioles last made the World Series, it was 1983, 40 years ago. Using the rule of seven, if you're 46 years old and an Orioles fan, you don't have a memory of the Orioles in the World Series. Okay? And... It's it's it was Cal Ripken was a young player. Okay? There was one bad Star Wars movie, it was Return of the Jedi. So since that year, how many years have the Orioles been a legitimate World Series contender? I'm not gonna give them 89. They were they were a contender for the division. They would have been whomped by the Oakland A's. I'll give them 96 the Jeffrey Mayer year. I'll give him 97. Okay? I'll give him those two years. I'll give him 14, even though Manny Machado was hurt. I'd give, I thought they were going to beat the Royals. Do I give him 16? Do you want, I'll be generous and give him 12. If they had beaten the Yankees, I would have given them a puncher's chance against the Tigers. Four. Four times out of the last 40 years. And now five. Five times in the last 40 years. The Orioles had a team that you could look at and say, they have a chance to go to the World Series. You want to energize that fan base and have all those fans, have all the bandwagon fans who recently jumped on the Nationals bandwagon to jump back on there. You want to beat up and dominate Masson. You put together a great team in Baltimore while the Nationals are rebuilding. I, it, no, we're going to worry for the future because who knows? We may be great a bunch of years. Have you seen the Angelos family? Do they strike you as a family that's going to keep this team together? You may have had to Florida Marlins this and say, we just got to make a shot at one year. A year where you didn't have to worry about the Red Sox or the Yankees. So, yeah, it, I stand by my point. All of those players they hoarded better come through because they're 35 times out of the last 40 years, Oriole fans ended the year, and we didn't really have a shot. This was one of the five. 
And that may not sound fair to talk about it like that, but the Orioles are not one of the 50% teams who have made the World Series since 2010. And this was their best shot. And they didn't go for it. And I'm sorry. I'm going to stand by my thought. You're a great fan, but I don't think it was over the top at all. Hey, let's talk a little bit about our friends at where? At FanDuel. Once I put this up, I can tell you that October baseball is back. And you can make your postseason debut with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. You got the upstart Diamondbacks. You've got the drooling to repeat Astros. You got Bruce Bochy's boys in Arlington. And you've got the defending NL champion Phillies and Bryce Harper looking to win that ring that he couldn't win in Washington. Join FanDuel today and you'll get started with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to create your new account. Then you can get in on the action from the first pitch until the final out. Bet on everything from strikeouts to home runs to who will win the game. If you don't want to wait till the whole game to get a W, some of us are a little impatient. Predict what will happen next in the next at-bat with quick bets. So head on over to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn right now. Step up to the plate this postseason with $200 of bonus bets guaranteed. Make every moment more with FanDuel, which is the official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. You know, I talked about how I like to see the uh, best teams face each other. And one of the great moments in baseball history took place on this day in 1988. And that was the Kirk Gibson home run. And I look back and, you know, the Mets were a powerhouse team and the A's were exquisite. And I would like to see that alternate universe where that A's team played that Mets team because those were two super teams. Instead, we got the Dodgers who caught the Mets napping and then stunned the A's in five. I mean, it took seven games for them to defeat the Mets in the, in the LCS, um, but it only took five games for them to beat the A's, which is really unbelievable. Now, the, we all remember the dramatic home run that Gibson hit. And of course, Mike Davis gets on base. Eckersley was unstoppable. Gibson was hobbling up to the plate. He hits the home run with two strikes after fouling a bunch off. Looks like he couldn't walk. I can't believe what I just saw, yelled Jack Buck. I was It was remarkable. And I remember when I was watching that game with my brother, there was a sense, because we knew Hershiser was unbeatable that year. You looked, at the, you looked at the World Series and you thought, like, if the Dodgers could win a game that Hershiser didn't start, they may have an outside chance. And the, by the when Conseco hit that early grand slam, like, oh, this is a sweep. They're going to kill him. But the minute Gibson hit the home run, immediately those baseball fans were thinking, and Hershiser's pitching tomorrow against Storm Davis. Chances are the Dodgers are going to be up two games to none, which is exactly what happened. Now, what people forget is game three, which was another thriller. But the Dodgers... Gibson wasn't the only one who got hurt. The Dodgers just were getting injured left and right. And John Tudor 
fine pitcher was acquired at midseason for Pedro Guerrero, walked off the mound after the second inning. He was hurt. His career was, I mean, his career wasn't over, but he was, he was, he was absolutely, you could see he was crushed. You know, wonderful. John Tudor had a wonderful career. Uh, he was an elite pitcher in the mid-1980s and and would have been the World Series MVP in 1985 if Don Denginger got that call right, but I digress. Um, so the Dodgers were shorthanded in the pitching staff. Obviously, they were shorthanded with Gibson, which was their only power outlet. Eventually, Mike Sosha hurt himself, so they'd have Rick Dempsey catch. I mean, they were an absolute mess. And McGuire hit a walk-off home run in Game 3. And I remember thinking, wow, Game Four is Tim Belcher versus Dave Stewart, who was just one of the best big game pitchers in baseball. And you're looking at going, that is the definition of an A's win. So the A's were on the verge of tying the series two games apiece. And Jay Howell was the huge goat of the Dodgers. Jay Howell was their closer. And Jay Howell was suspended for the final bunch of games in the NLCS because he had pine tar on his glove. And they were stuck without a closer. They wound up having to use Oral Hershiser out of the bullpen to close out one of the games. And like they had Alejandro Pena and Brian Holder, but they had Jesse Orozco. But nobody was the pitcher that Jay Howell was, who was an all-star. Not a great pitcher, but an all-star closer. And Howell came out and let up the walk-off home run to Mark McGuire. So he was just a complete bum in the eyes of the Dodger fans and in the eyes of anyone following the game. And then came game four. In game four of the World Series, the day after he let up the walk-off home run to McGuire, the Dodgers took a unlikely 4-2 to lead off of Dave Stewart. The A's defense was atrocious in game four, and somehow the Dodgers were up 4-2. to two. But the A's were rallying in the seventh, and it was four to three, and it was inevitable. It was two outs. The tying run was on second, and it's the seventh inning, and Lasorda brought in Jay Howell. And I remember thinking, what are you doing? This guy stinks. He blew a save in the NLCS, got suspended, and just let up a walk-off home run. And then he walked Canseco, and I'm like, here it comes. Dave Parker got on by an error. The bases were lowered. Here comes McGuire. Here it goes. The day after he let up a walk-off home run, I don't know. I did. What are you doing, Lasorda? But Jay Howell got Mark McGuire to pop up. All right, he got out of the seventh. There you go. Good job, Jay Howell. Now get out of this game. The Dodgers went to the eighth, didn't, uh, and they didn't score. Dodgers had Orozco and Alejandro Pena warming up in the bullpen, but Lasorda stuck with Jay Howell his embattled closer, and then got him to the ninth inning. And then Canseco came up with one on and one out, knowing full well that a home run would win the game and tie the series. And the bullpen was ready to go. Lasorda stuck with him. He struck out Canseco. And then up came Dave Parker, arguably a Hall of Famer. And he popped up to third. And they won the game. He pitched a multi-inning save the day after being the GOAT. And when that pop-up happened, suddenly the Dodgers were up three games to one. And Hershiser came in on short rest through a complete game victory. And that was it. 
because it was either that or they were going to have to basically call the 15th caller. And you could have made the choice. Like, oh, you're up three to one. Put Hershiser in at full rest. Just just have someone else pitch game five. You go back to L.A. Lasorda went for the kill, and they won it. And if Howell had screwed up again, as it was all there to happen, chances are the Gibson home run becomes a footnote or becomes a memory like the Fisk home run or the Rajay Davis home run or Albert Pujols' home run off of Brad Lidge. A wonderful moment, but the team didn't win. And the reason the team won was because they were patchworked together. Lasorda did one of the absolute greatest managerial jobs in history of the postseason. And, and came out and went to his closer when all was lost. And so Jay Howell is the unsung hero of that 1988 World Series. However, I'm going to throw a new trivia question at you. It has nothing to do with the 88 World Series. It has to do with David Wells. David Wells, who won a few World Series rings in his time, bounced around his career left and right. He played in the playoffs with a bunch of teams. I'm going to rattle off a bunch of teams that David Wells played for. And the trivia question is, which one of these teams did David Wells not appear in the postseason with? Was it the Blue Jays? Was it the Reds? Was it the Orioles? Was it the Yankees? Was it the Red Sox? Was it the Padres? Or was it the White Sox? Which one of those teams did David Wells not make a October cameo with? That's our trivia question answered here on YouTube or on Twitter. Hey, I gave you a full episode here, and we're going to do an episode later where Miller is going to talk about his beloved Diamondbacks in the NLCS, and we'll recap what happened in the all-Texas game one of the ALCS. Answering questions and fill in the air. This has been Locked On MLB for the 15th day of October 2023. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.